All right, y'all. Welcome to the Unfazed, Unedited Podcast, where we provide a commentary on complicated topics in an uncomplicated format. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, hers pronouns, and I'm with Dr. Lisa. How you doing? You ready for the last podcast of the year? Oh, I'm having an existential crisis that we are almost at the end of 2023, but otherwise, I'm doing just fine. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, how many things do we feel like we need to get done before the end of the year, including this podcast? Um, yes, and, and very yes. little time to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I guess without further ado, then let's jump in and start with phase one. Um, okay, so I am not very connected to pop culture. Um, and so the other day I was listening to The Daily, which is a New York Times podcast, and I, I sent it to you because I thought you might find it interesting or like it, but it was entirely about Taylor Swift. And so I'm thinking to myself, why is there an entire news podcast about Taylor Swift? Because I mean, I know that she's famous and she's popular and people like her, right? But I really didn't understand the gravity or the degree to which she is um, loved, I guess would be one way to say it. And, you know, on the heels of this, she also was um, named Time person of the year right so i feel like i just missed the boat on this whole taylor swift thing because i feel like i conceptualize taylor swift as this kind of young teeny bopper like produced um singer which is clearly not the reality so i thought it would be funny to talk about it because i know that there is some conflict or tension related to the ways in which taylor swift is recognized and adored vis-a-vis -vis Beyonce, right? In terms of Beyonce's movie and tour and uh, album and the way that she is recognized. And so anyway, I don't know what your thoughts are, Shauna, but I found the podcast interesting because it was educational, but I also found it kind of like, what, right? Because the woman who is the commentator who was talking on it, who's being interviewed, she's 48 years old and she's crying about the power of Taylor Swift. and. I'm like, what? Like, really? I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously it struck a chord for her and she shared why, but I, I don't know. What am I missing? What am I missing? <laughs> Look, I'm trying to figure out what we are missing. Okay. It's not just you, it's me and you because, okay. So I have also been apparently living under a rock with you separate and apart from all the other people in the world that have adored this woman. Um, and so what's interesting, I'm, I'm going to give you all the funny and then we'll we'll bring it forward. So the funny is I have been Travis Kelsey fan for a long time. I have listened to him and his brother's podcast. I watched, you know, their uh, little documentary. I watched that, all those things. So I've been a Travis Kelsey fan. I wasn't a Taylor Swift fan and I'm still not necessarily a Taylor Swift fan. I don't hate the woman, but I'm not like the diehard follower. And so as a lot of people have been following, Travis Kelsey had been wanting to meet Taylor and get to know her and hopefully they spark a relationship and that finally happened. I I just, I'm like, wait a minute, who who is this person? Because Travis is not a small, uh, 
caricature in the NFL. Um, and so I'm thinking to myself, would entertain him who would she entertain um especially in relationship land and so it ends up being taylor swift they're actually dating and have been dating for a while and now dating publicly all right so then one of my friends sent me a message saying hey look at this screenshot if you want to get to know what the hype is about taylor swift then watch this movie miss americana on netflix and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm always down for a documentary, no matter who it's about. I mean, doesn't matter. I'm just a documentary person. So I've been watching. I'm like, okay, this is interesting. I'm still not a fan of her music, but I am watching a number of things, including how kind she is to people, how kind she is to staff, how unselfish she is, um, how almost every child she meets he does not, you know, blow them off like I'm a superstar, so let me ignore them. Um, and I also remember at the 2009 VMAs when I didn't know who she was and was not interested in who she was, Kanye West interrupts her as she's winning, um, you know, she's winning her award. You know, I forget which one it was. I wasn't watching, obviously. Um, and he's like, look, I'm happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had the best video, you know, the best video of all time, not just of the year of all time. And I'm thinking to myself, OK, I'm still thinking she's a young girl like you, you know, that's making this teeny bopper music. And now you have Kanye West interrupting her in a very pivotal moment. She's like 19 years old at the time thinking, no, this is not OK. And so I kind of wasn't a fan, but I was kind of on her side in that, look, don't take away from someone's moment. Don't take away from a woman's moment as a man. Like there were a lot of things running through my head when that VMA thing happened. So fast forward, she's dating Travis Kelsey. Fast forward, I watch Miss Americana and I realize he's a daggone business genius, right? And so then I become a fan of the business, which then is very parallel to my Beyonce fandom, because I'm not a fan of Beyonce's music either. I know the Beehive will like swarm after me now that I've said this, but this has been very public on all my social media. I'm not a fan of Beyonce. I'm a fan of Destiny's Child, but I'm a fan of Beyonce's business savvy. And so for me, I think it's really interesting that Taylor is now um, time person of the year as she's already very, uh, how can I say central to a lot of people's lives? This grown woman is on a podcast crying over lyrics to her songs. And so I think it's interesting how there's so many things to compare and that Taylor and Beyonce are friends, um, which tells me that they might be comparing notes too. So I just think the whole thing is fascinating um, how it's impacting people around the world. I just kind of assumed that I aged myself out of the Taylor Swift conversations until you sent me the podcast of the woman around about our age, sort of our age, the Taylors, that's crying over lyrics to a song reminiscing on things that have affected her. So I didn't know that it was this big of a deal. I really didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely was like, I feel like you're too old to be crying over Taylor Swift's music, but that just exactly. is my, exactly. my, my ignorance, I guess, and I'm being ageist, of course, but, um, so what do you think, though, with this back and forth, you know, the 
the Taylor Swift Beyonce thing has been around for a while from what I can understand. I mean, that Kanye West piece that you mentioned at that award show a while back, you know, and Taylor's won when people have felt that Beyonce should have won at other award shows throughout the years. And now she's named um, person of the year when um, Beyonce has, at least in my uneducated opinion, done as much as Taylor Swift, right? Like, um, do you feel like something's going on there in terms of Taylor Swift being a white woman and Beyonce being a black woman? Or do you think that I am overanalyzing that? Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name it in a different way. I'm gonna frame it in a different way. As kind and nice and all as I think Taylor is based on what I can see outside looking in, and as talented as both of them seem to be, I don't think there's a possibility that race isn't part of this conversation. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, with both of them, they've had very similar kind of business plans, other than that Beyonce came from a group and Taylor has been on her own, you know, for the majority of her career. But other than that, they've had very similar business plans, even up through 2023 this year. Um, as far as their world, their global tours and how they rolled it out. And I saw this funny meme that said something to the effect of uh, Beyonce and Taylor Swift fans bought tickets to see a concert and then bought movie tickets to watch her watch y'all watching her. Like to me, I'm thinking to myself, you have to have a serious business plan to pull that off. Right. Um, and so what I think is really interesting and Lisa, I'm recalling one of our older archived uh, podcasts where we talked about the time, uh, originally man of the year and then personally of the year and how it evolved over time. And, you know, some very controversial people uh, have been person of the year. What I think is interesting is that they whittle it down to a list. And so these folks on the list know they're up for the running and then they make a selection. I think it's fascinating that Taylor was on the list and won and Beyonce wasn't on the list at all. To me, that says something. Um, now, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs to the selection process, but I think it's very telling that you can have very comparable years and, you know, business rollouts for the last couple of years and not land even on the same planet. Like, why weren't they? Yeah. I, and yeah. I don't care which one wins. I'm just saying, I think it's interesting that both weren't on the list to begin with. So I, I do, I'm not quite sure how either of them can escape race being part of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you're making me think back to other times. I feel like Beyonce has come second to white women a lot, right? I mean, I'm thinking back, Adele won mm. an award at an award show i don't know whether it was the grammys or something else and it was not that she wasn't or isn't a great musician and singer but rather it seemed a little off that she won it and beyonce didn't and then i think adele like broke the the award in half and gave half to beyonce which was a step in the right direction in terms of recognizing the way that race was playing in there but didn't quite get there right like because she still kept some for herself when when it seemed to be that there was some universal acceptance that Beyonce should have won whatever award that was so I just think yeah so I feel like it's not just a Taylor issue with Beyonce it seems like this is a repetitive issue and I mean, I'm sure she's fully aware of it and rolling her eyes like every time she loses to a white woman right 
Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, from from what I understand, and I did a quick search just to see, um, as of this year, she still had not won an album of the year, which I thought was quite quite interesting. Why she's never won an album of the year now, song of the year, and you know the countless Grammys and so forth, but never the full album. I just think that is very interesting. And so, you know, even people have, have said she shouldn't go to another, you know, award show in protest rather um, because she hasn't won. So I think it's fascinating. Um, and I'm just wondering how could you even escape it? You know, how could it not be, you know, how could it be that this woman could be so accomplished in so many ways from so many different directions and still has not won even one album of the year uh, in comparison to, you know, so many other nominees and so forth. So I, I just think it's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um. So I guess we, we will hear from the uh, Beyonce and so the beehive and the swifties i think is, is how yeah. they're called to educate yeah. us on where we went wrong with our discussion but i just find it fascinating and i think that you're right that yeah race is clearly at play here um it isn't yeah. just about musical talent um and so i think that's important to call out so yeah. all right let's yeah. let's move on to the next phase what do you got yeah yeah no it's i think that's a great conversation and so we'll we'll put a pin in it for now um i know that uh taylor launched the i guess the rental of the eras tour so that you can rent the movie that she produced and i'm like no i'm not gonna do it um so i just think it's interesting how you know the business plans still line up um and i'm still not a swifty i'm just uh documentary lover and a businesswoman uh cheerleader <laughs> just leave it there that's that's all i can say for either one of them okay so they're not on my playlist y'all i gotta be real about that um but let's get into phase two so what i think is really interesting about where we are right now with technology is that i've been having a few aha moments over the years as I've run in circles with people that do this work for a living. And I think I shared this with you, Lisa, probably a couple of years ago, where um, I was having a conversation with one of my faculty members at the time. And it was this aha moment where she was working with a designer of uh, faucets, you know, those automatic faucets that come on and you put your hands underneath and so forth. And again, showing up in an African-American woman's body I would do what people usually do, go to the restroom and then you go wash your hands. You put your hands under the automatic faucet, thinking the water is going to automatically come out. And I kept thinking to myself, these things suck, man. Like whoever designed these things, they just never work. And I'm thinking they never work for anybody. No, they work for people that have lighter skin because when I put right. the outside right. of my hand under the faucet, it would, it just would not come on. Once I turned the inside, the lighter portion of my hands under the faucet, magically it came on. So then it's this aha moment of my professor friend saying, yeah, the reason why that is, is because it was designed using white prototypes from the get-go. So the light or white portion of an African-American hands works while the other side does not. 
Um, and so given that, that was this huge aha moment, like, well, what the hell else doesn't work? And then I start thinking about, you know, smartphones where I've had friends that had darker skin than my own, where their facial recognition never worked. And I used to pick on them and ask them, why don't you ever turn on your facial recognition? Because it doesn't work, Shauna. Why? Because it was never designed for my complexion. Um, and so given that, now we're at a place with AI, y'all. And I have been kind of peeking into AI. I mean, I use chat GPT. I use other stuff like that just to get ideas rolling. But I've been hearing the the lament of my teacher and faculty friends that are trying to help students understand the difference between being inspired by AI versus flat out using AI as plagiarism. And so what you've seen here in the Washington Post, and I actually saw something too, um, where these images are, they are doing the most, Lisa, because they are, uh, how can I say, they are completely exponentially taking what they're learning from flawed, biased human beings and magnifying it in ways that are just incredible. So, you know, when I saw originally, this was on uh, Instagram, um, where AI recreated women football players with their favorite teams, because it's well known, even the NFL knows that women are major supporters and fans of football. And so, when you ask AI to create a female football player and all you see is big breasts, tiny waist and midriffs, what is that telling us? And so your Washington Post article that you sent me was really fascinating because it takes every single ism to the next level, right? As far as, you know, what a home looks like based on the country or the ethnicity um, or what a uh, business person looks like. It usually is gendered um, in certain ways. Or, you know, what does it mean to be someone who needs social services and it always ends up being a person of color? Um, and so, you know, given that, I think it's interesting that AI, as much as we want it to be a tool, and I would love for it to be a tool, look at all these flaws that are just so clear. So, uh, Lisa, I don't know if you've kind of messed around with any of the AI stuff other than uh, kind of checking out some of these articles, but what have you seen when it comes to these mm -hmm. uh, biases and stereotypes kind of blowing up in our faces here? Yeah, I mean, AI has been massive in 2023, right? Like, um it's exploded in terms of people's use of it understanding of its capability um concerns about um how it will essentially replace humans right i mean that was one of the key pieces with the writers strike and the um sag aftra strike with the hollywood actors and such was concerns around ai so i think that it's a little scary um what I saw recently was there's a trail runner, ultra runner called Courtney Dolwalter, um, who has done amazing, amazing um, work, won like everything. <laughs> Basically, she's just phenomenal in terms of her skill. And she had typed into an AI like image creator, woman trail runner, I think. And it for kept creating women with these like billowy oh no because i think she said woman trail runner with long shorts or something like that and it kept creating these like billowy pants these running pants that were like tie-dye or whatever that were like clearly not like basketball shorts or like long shorts but in every case 
the trail runner was white and thin. So um, that wasn't the commentary that she posted, right? And I don't know the degree to which she added like descriptors when she was requesting this image be created, but I, that struck me, right? So woman trail runner with long shorts and um, the woman is white and skinny, right? So this idea that to be an athlete, um, you have to look a certain way and then just kind of that um, normalization of whiteness, which we see we've seen in that in the Washington Post piece, we'll post that in the show notes. But, you know, the if you type in attractive person, they're usually white or light skinned. If you type in productive person or business person, like you said, it's usually a white man, right? And the ways in which AI is gathering from, you know, millions of data points that humans have created, and this is what it's amplifying. So it's just making it worse. So I, I think it's a real window onto our soul um, in terms of the ways in which those biases and stereotypes are so deeply ingrained that a, a artificial intelligence that doesn't have any of that is taking cues right from us and this is what it's coming up with um so i think it's a pretty profound observation in terms of thinking about less about what ai can do and more about well what does that say about us right as a culture yeah. as a group yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and again, you know, uh, the <laughs> I think about it all the time, you know, artificial intelligence, even our natural intelligence has so many warts on it. Artificial intelligence is gonna, only going to go from not great to worse. So, you know, with that, I'm like, oh, this is so interesting that, you know, in the natural world, in our natural intelligence, it is so hard for many people to understand the nuance of identity groups. And so why would we expect uh, artificial intelligence to understand that nuance and be able to read that intelligence in such a way um, that it's useful? And so I just, you know, I feel like AI always needs that uh, caution tape on it where the, the cautionary tool of, you know, use it to a point, you know, use it with caution. Um, because at some point it's like we end up, you know, having almost a 180 in the progress that we want to have. Um, and so, you know, I appreciate when I've started to see a lot of my friends who are uh, people of color, LGBT folks, women that are using AI for art, but it's a starting point. It's not the end all and be all. So it'll be a starting point. Like I remember seeing a beautiful AI photo of um, my sorority sisters and the original one, did not have a lot of nuance in color or colorism. And so the actual artist went in and created vast numbers of shades because it wasn't there to begin with. And so, you know, I just feel the same way when it comes mm -hmm. to using AI broadly, it's that to yeah. a point, to a point, we still need to have right. a, our own, you know, human touch on things in order to get closer mm -hmm. um, to dismissing stereotypes entirely. So I just think all of that is fascinating. And sometimes I'm kind, of, I'm kind of afraid to put a thought or an idea in it because I'm afraid of what the mirror is going to show us as human beings as to what we fed into it to begin with. So I think we should use mm -hmm. it with caution. Yeah, I agree. And I just think this underscores that it's so easy to assume that technology of any kind is objective 
like what you know like objective exists which it doesn't really um but it is all created by humans who are not objective Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. so we shouldn't be surprised when it continues to replicate those same biases and those same stereotypes you know kind of on steroids to some degree so you're as you started this phase talking about the faucet that you know switches on or off based on your hand right um and then I think back to prior conversations that, that we've had around crash test dummies, right? And they're only, they were historically and still for the most part based on men, right? Or those yes. anatomical images in doctor's offices. Yeah. That's not technology, of course, but that is, you know, white male bodies, right? And the ways, right. and so that's just then infuses through any kind of technological advancement. So yeah, I agree. Like we should mm-hmm. use it with caution. Mm-hmm. And be alert yeah. to the ways in which it replicates stereotypes and actually makes them 10 times worse. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, all right. So I think that guides us into phase three, because this year we have talked more and more intently about AI just in the world broadly, but I think we need to talk specifically. I don't know if it overlaps with this topic or not. Maybe it is annoying. I'm not sure. Uh, but I'd love to think out loud with you about this phase three, which is what's the most annoying thing in DEI this year? The most annoying thing. And look, let me just say, Lisa, it was hard for me to choose because it was so much to pull from. We we had way too many options to pull from. Um, It's a matter of, you know, for me, which one affected more things, more people, more places. And so it, it was hard for me. I mean, you know, obviously, SCOTUS made me sick to my stomach. I mean, it just, it just made me sick. It made me sick. Um, In the specific states, and even to this day, more states, um, I believe Oklahoma is the most recent, but, you know, when it comes to specifically DEI offices closing, um, because they are being defunded and dismantled and how, I mean, I'm just imagining you know, think about something that's a very fundamental profession. Like, let's say you're an electrician in XYZ state and you wake up the next day and legislation has said that your profession is no longer legal in this state. You can't do it anymore. You spent your whole life uh, sharpening your skills around it. So there were a lot of things to choose from and it was hard for me. So I'm I'm still kind of toying between my final answer, Lisa, but what say you in regards to your your answer here to the most annoying thing this year in DEI? Yeah, so um for folks who don't know the acronym SCOTUS, it's Supreme Court of the United States, and I would have to agree with you on that. Um but specifically around the affirmative action decision that uh, struck down affirmative action as being problematic and giving an unfair advantage to um, women, to folks of color, to students with disabilities. Um, Obviously, it, it tends to orient mostly around race, but it's about providing or trying to level the playing field for individuals who have been historically excluded from higher education. And um, the fact that affirmative action that has such a long history in the United States was ruled unconstitutional just feels like a heartbreaking step backwards um, 
this, you know, assumption that race is no longer a defining feature of a person's experience and their capacity to build wealth and um, accrue knowledge and be successful in business or any other industry is just mind numbing, mind numbingly, mind blowingly. Like I just, I can't wrap my head around it. And so that was such a disappointing thing. And so I find that for me really takes the cake that Supreme Court ruling striking down affirmative action is my 2023 winner of most annoying DEI event. Look, and that's saying something because I mean, we, look, we were just talking about the, uh, the time, the, uh, time person of the year and who's on the list. You had a long and deep list to pull from when it comes to annoying. Um, I think for me, and this is kind of, putting uh, DEI practitioners dirty laundry out in the street here, but I'm okay with that as usual. Um, I'm really annoyed, especially when I look through the window of social media to see how, of course, no one is beyond critique. However, the critique of how folks approach their work and change specifically because DEI work is all change. We're trying to move from one state to another state that's more beneficial for all. And so I just despise how within the DEI industry, there's a critique of how people protest or how people ally or how people collaborate in ways that are still beneficial and still needed, right? And it kind of reminds me in uh, of my uh, Maryland days where there were a number of uh, folks that did DEI work with me on that campus. And usually there was agreement as to what we wanted the end result to be. The friction was around how to get there. And there's so many ways to get there and all of those ways need to be taken. And so I heard this uh, quote that was actually on another podcast. And then I saw it again on LinkedIn and I said, okay, that must be a sign that I need to just really think about it. But I'm bringing it here to y'all. Um, this quote that I found that said, uh, a revolution has many lanes. Some are posting on social media. Some are protesting in the streets. Some are donating silently. Some are educating themselves. Some are having tough conversations with friends, family, colleagues. A revolution has many lanes. Be kind to yourself and to others who are traveling in the same direction. Just keep your foot on the gas. And to me, that was a powerful sentiment because, you know, I'm thinking to myself, it would be ridiculous. Like I'm thinking about uh, the civil rights movement or any major movement in the world where you needed people at different posts at different times for different things. Dr. King didn't say everybody needs to be marching right now. There needs to be Dr. Farmer that's in the background coordinating the freedom rides. We we need lots of different things going on at the same time. And so, you know, there I know there are folks that are writing checks to make sure that certain things happen when it comes to this work. There are certain people that are right down the street in DM 
in uh, DC that are protesting physically um, in very visible ways. And then there are other people that are reading and getting themselves educated and having conversations with folks to get up to speed. And so what I don't want to see is what I have seen more recently is critique of how folks are getting there. I'm not okay with that. And so I think we need to uh, we need to be reflective about our own critique of one another, especially those that are neck deep in the work, uh, have lots to lose, some people their very lives uh, to make this work happen. So I just don't feel comfortable with that. And so I'm just holding our feet to the fire mm. as DEI protect professionals to be very careful um, yeah. to protect the work. So if Lisa wants to write a check and read a book, then I want to support her to do that. Um, right. If I go down the road and hold up my homemade sign, you know, at Congress, then I expect that she would support me to do it that way as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that um, there, so what I hear is that, that white supremacy, there is one right way to do something is kind of creeping into the DEI profession in terms of um, there you go. how yes. best to to protest an injustice, right? So you're just reinforcing a problematic framework while also trying to be a transformative practitioner, right? I, I, yeah, that's what it right. says to me. It's, in, it's really interesting, right? Because it creeps in everywhere. And, you know, there's been a number of, over the years, a number of boycotts, right? Like, we're not going to go to work this day. Oh, right. actually, this is a funny, funny aside. Several years ago, I was sitting in the dentist's office and it was, there was a, it might have been like women not going to work or service, people who work in the service industry not going to work, but it was, it was definitely gendered. And this woman who was sitting in the dentist's office with me made some comment like, well, you know, what about all the men? <laughs> and I was like, is this the time to get into it with this stranger in the dentist's office? Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, but you know, so my point, I guess, with that example is that not every person can not go to work for a day, right? Can boycott X because of a livelihood or, or, an, or a financial need. And so to be dismissive or even, um, you know, rude or, you know, pejorative in like, well, you're, you just don't care right? You just don't care enough because you're not participating in this. Yes. Um, I think belies a complete lack of understanding of how people's lives are different and they can contribute to transformation in ways that are most meaningful and practical for them. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, my, my younger days where, you know, I did not have my sons depending on me. They weren't here yet. I would certainly, protest in much more risky ways than I do today. And I'm okay with all of it because I think we need all of it, right? Um, and so, you know, for me, I, I live in a very different experience, y'all, where, you know, I'm uh, the mom to these boys, but I'm also an only child. I'm an only grandchild. There's just frankly a whole lot of scaffolding of family and loved ones that depend on me. So I choose not to do certain things that risk my life, but I'm also very much pushing the envelope in other ways, not to say that my life is more important than another. It just means that I make decisions quite differently than I did when I was younger and probably was very naive in thinking about my responsibilities. Um, and so, you know, given that, 
I just want to be respectful of, you know, we, we can't say that all these DEI issues, belonging issues, social justice, you know, human humanity uh, is important, but yet we don't honor the diverse ways that we show up to do this work. I'm like, we're just being hypocritical here if we're not careful. Um, yeah. And so yeah. I just want us to hold that. So, but I appreciate your point around that whole, there's one perfect way to do it. Just mm -hmm. not so, just not so. Yeah, and uh, well, I think that wraps us up for this year. The uh, this is our last show, twenty twenty three. As uh, Shauna said at, at the the front end of all of this, and there are a thousand um, <laughs> DEI related things, annoying or otherwise, that we could have choose chosen from. So, if if you're listening to this and you have one that we haven't mentioned, please do share that with us. We'd love to hear it. But I, I will say that. Um, there is another Supreme Court case that was just recently argued and it has the potential to open up the doorway for people who do not experience marginalization in the workplace to attack DEI programs in the workplace because they feel harmed by it. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it was just argued in the last couple of weeks, but this is not over, right? This is not over. So be vigilant listeners uh, as we head into 2024, because I'm sure that list of DEI disasters is going to continue to grow. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going into an election year for another president. So obviously, Lisa, we can't escape it. I mean, I've just come to grips with the reality that it's going to be another dumpster fire ish DEI year just by virtue of that alone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, I didn't even think about the election. And then I just when muted said under my breath an expletive so anyway i'm sure we'll have lots to talk about as as that election season gets underway but anyway we're finishing up here so shauna how can folks get a hold yeah. of us if they want to um listen refer send us a comment yeah yeah no lisa you got me thinking uh <laughs> next year 2024 may end up being like the explicit season for unfazed unedited because there will be so much to curse about you know those under 18 should not be listening to us talk about this stuff because it should just be the explicit season for real um yes but please y'all yes. don't, don't be afraid of the the bad language because it's warranted every time i promise you um so please don't be deterred by the bad language and the explicit uh stamp that may be on future podcasts um so please follow us click the bell on youtube on unfazed unedited the brackets around the un and unfazed so unfazed unedited on youtube instagram of course unfazed pod find us there LinkedIn, find us there as well. We usually like to drop some things each day, especially as you hear Lisa mentioned SCOTUS hearings, so forth. There's lots of things that pop up uh, in between uh, episodes that we like to drop there. And of course, our website, unfazedpodcast.com, where you can access new and old shows. Now, please go on, especially if you're uh, listening to us on your podcast service, please leave us a review, okay? Let us know what you think about our podcast as well. But again, this is our last episode of the year. If you like this episode, please like it, subscribe to us, 
leave a review for us, share it around. Ha have this as your first uh, staff meeting of 2024 if you want to. That's fine with us. Uh, but please share this episode with other folks in this phase of your life. Um, until next year, y'all. All right. See you in 24.